This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, y'all, we have Jacoby Waters. He's right here in Palm Beach County, and he is here to talk about his organization, I believe it's a nonprofit, Young Men of Distinction. Jacoby, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I can't complain. Man, that's, that's awesome. Well, I, I, I'm new to the area. And one way I like to kind of see what's going on in the city is having these type of discussions to, you know, from people local in the area to get a good sense of what's happening. So tell me, you know, how, why did you start this organization? Sure. Uh, I started Young Man of Distinction. Um, I always had the mindset being a little uh, young, a, a little young man, uh, to always want to give back to my city. I was born and raised in Riviera Beach, Florida, so that was always on my, you know, my mind growing up was to always give back to my hometown. And growing up, I had such, you know, esteemed male role models in my life as my biological father, my stepfather, my grandfather were were the backbone to the makeup of Jacoby Waters that's here sitting today, as well as my two neighbors who were who watched me grow up from when I was a little boy to now a man. And I wanted to bring back the essence of, you know, it takes a village to create a child um, because I feel like that got lost in the shuffle as you know, I started matriculating and growing up in Riviera Beach and growing up in Palm Beach County. So I wanted to bring back that essence of it takes a village to, you know, support these young men and also change the narrative of how, you know, America has labeled our young men, especially African American young men. Awesome, awesome. And you know, I've I've had um, other folks in the community come on um, this show and I've talked to other folks who say, you know, uh, you've, you've helped them. And that, that's how I, you know, kind of found out about you and just, you know, word of mouth. And that's a great thing. Um, and, and a lot of times I think folks will say, well, there's other organizations and there's always other organizations, but there's also room because there's a need, especially for black men to show other black men, like, you know, one person, can't take on everybody. You know, you can't be daddy and uncle to everybody. So it's a great thing. Now, Diversified Game, I like to show people how, like, they got started because a lot of folks have great ideas, but they want to do like you to go get registered and actually put a plan in action. So when you did that, was that a team thing or did you have to do it by yourself? I would say it was definitely a team thing. It was definitely a team thing, but it was more so – you know, as my team would say, it was my baby. It was my vision. So I had to make sure I was the one driving the train to uh, get get us registered within the state of Florida, get it our 501c3, sit in countless meetings. <laughs> uh, I tell my 
my young man, the group now. See, I have no idea how much behind the scenes work I do, but I do it for them. I do it because I want to make sure I set the tone and give them a brighter future ahead. Not saying I had a, a terrible life. It was more so of want to be able to navigate them and uh, be able to give them a great foundation. Awesome. Awesome. With, with, you know, doing that, did you have to have a job and do you still have like another job and this is kind of your, you know, um, passion on the side or are you, were you able to quit everything and give this, you know, your full-time effort? Um, I do still currently have a full-time job as we're still a new organization. We were founded May 3rd of 2019 and I still have my full-time job to help offset a lot of the costs when it comes to running the organization. But that is my dream is to be able to quit my full-time job and do Young Man Distinction full-time. So I, 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 consider, my, I consider Young Man Distinction I don't consider it a full-time job because I, I do it like a full-time job, but it's more, I do it, this is, this is fun. Doing, doing this is fun for me. Now, since you've started, you know, last, last year prior to COVID, uh, thank God, um, has the community as far as the government come in and, you know, said, hey, we have these RFPs or we have these grants um, are you interested? Have you have you gotten that far yet? No, and that's where that's I I hit the payment and really tried to do the best I can to get young men the station out there, get the message across that you know we're here, we're here for the community, we're out here doing the work. Um, so. That is something that, you know, we are trying to now, like, really just the elected officials really get behind us. Okay. And we don't like to just, you know, get the game. We like to give it. So we'll, we'll definitely um, – I'll share at the um, off-air especially some things that, you know, there, there's always money for these things in every city you go to, it's just, where do you find it? And um, who is, you know, signing the, the check. And, and one thing that I've found out thus far for folks who are working with black men, nobody working with young black men has tapped into that money yet that I've spoken to. And I think I've spoken to um, the majority besides talking to the jails, the jails know where to get this money. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that because, you know, it's, it's your local um, SBAs and Chamber of Commerce and PTAC that you, you really want to tap into because they hear all of this. So we'll, I'll, I'll tell you in detail and can send you some links. But um, how many men, you know, it being new, have you mentored? And I know you had a summit, you know, so how, how you know, how big was that? And, and what was the point of the summit? Uh, so with the the summit that you're referring to, the State of the Black Male Summit, it actually is postponed to 2021. That was actually supposed to be in person, but then COVID hit. And, but since then we have, uh, we started a Father's Love Language series. It was a three-part series that focused on promoting 
fatherhood, especially African-American fatherhood, to kind of, again, change the narratives. And I realized uh, since COVID that the work I'm doing now with really building Young Men of Distinction is about changing now that changing the mindset in African-American communities, but also really tapping into our young men as well as men in general to, you know, promote positivity. Because if our young men see the men like myself, we're, we're changing, we're adapting, we're setting the tone, the young men would, would soon to follow and want to create, you know, like I said, a brighter future for them. And how many um, have you mentored or are in the program? Uh, right now, currently, we have 10 young men in the program. My youngest is in the seventh grade, and then majority are in the 11th grade. And they're, they're all returning young men. So, which is a good thing that my, my now 11th graders, they were with me when they was in the 10th grade. And so they get two years to really grow. And I tell them all the time, y'all are founding members. So, and I like to preach to them like they have ownership in this organization. So I want them to be able to, to understand the concept of ownership. So I tell them that, you know, this is, this is y'all's as much as it is mine. Because I include them in everything we do. Okay, and for, for someone who, you know, may have, hear this saying, hey, my, my child or a child I know is having an issue, and that's why we like people to like and share stories um, from us, because we're trying to give the game of solutions, not just state problems, but what type of program is this? Do the men get weekly counseling? Do they get college prep? Do you, you know, do, um, is the plan to do HBCU tours? What is the, uh, the structure of the program? So the structure, uh, I just, I go best off last year. Uh, this, well, no, I do this year. Uh, this year we're actually getting ready tomorrow, getting ready to wrap up an eight week seminar, eight week workshop that focused on mental health and trauma. And which that, when I came up with the concept of that, it timed out perfectly, especially with COVID, what happened with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. So it actually, it timed out perfectly. And I wanted them to see uh, African-American in this professional realm that are educated and well-versed and knowing about mental health. So every week we had a mental health counselor with us during this process, um, during these eight weeks. We focus on the art of being a gentleman, which that's the six-week workshop where we really break down what it looks like to be the perfect gentleman, like how to treat a woman, how to respect your elders, how to dress, you know, learn how to dress, you know, hygiene, especially last year, uh, teaching them about hygiene and breaking it down to them. A lot of them was like, they, they never heard how each particular thing works, especially when it came to deodorants. Uh, I told them a embarrassing story, uh, which of my own, where I wore the wrong deodorant. And when I smelled myself, 
uh, it was a pretty sight. <laughs> they laughed at me at my expense, but they uh, they they understood when I broke it down to them. I had to make fun of myself, and they understood. Like, all right, I need to make sure I'm conscious of, you know. I even told about the toothbrush. I was like, you know, you're all supposed to cover your toothbrush. Is like, for real? Yeah, there's a lot of germs and bacteria that floats in the air in the bathroom. And they couldn't believe it. So uh they like I said, they was they really they really like took hold, especially the hygiene portion of that workshop. At what age was it that you told that story? Because that's that's a trip when you learn like, whoa, I can't use that deodorant. Like you gotta find what deodorant works for your body. But at what age was that for you? Well, I have to say that that happened. I think I might have been in the, the third grade, and I know we was on a field trip, and I had to take like a whiff on myself, and I was so embarrassed. Because I, I'm I'm very I don't like to be <laughs> smelling musty, and when I did, I just I, I got real self conscious and just hoping and praying nobody didn't smell me. I didn't try to I I didn't move my arms as much, and we was on they was coming from Orlando, and I that's when I started to smell it. I was like, I just want to hurry up and get off this bus and go home and take a shower. But I learned from my body, I can't use just regular deodorant. I had to say anti-perspiration. Okay, okay. And I'm I'm older than you. And so, I, I mean, I remember in the 80s, I mean, folks, would, they, they would roast you uh, mm-hmm. all, all day. And, you know, but you, you wouldn't want to be musty again, but you have to find that deodorant that works for you. What I found works for me, and I still use to this day, I use a secret, women's secret, because the, when I sweat and all that, it works, and a, and an old a old young player had told me that. He said, "Use the women's deodorant because it smells better." So when you get sweaty, and he, I mean, he had all the ladies. So anything that you know, he said we we were gonna listen. Plus, he was an all star football player at that time. So, um, you know, he, he was the he was the OG old young player. But um, no, that that's that's a beautiful thing. What is the um, one? you know, major kind of issue that you're seeing with the men in that age, in the age range you're mentoring, that things that they are not getting at home that you got at home because you had a, you know, two parent and, 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 and uncles and everything around. What is it that folks aren't capturing that, you know, is it, just dead? I would say listening, listening to them. Let them be their own individual self. And that's where I, I give them that freedom to be who they want to be. Uh, I give them, I understand when I first start out with them, I have to learn how to you know, trust the process. I don't force them to look at me as a father figure, an uncle, any of that. I let them develop what they see me as you know, over time. And I think that's what is missing. We don't, you know, we try to rush these kids or the the mature generation think this generation is just lazy and they don't care. They just know it all. But if you really sit down and have a true conversation with them, they're under a lot of scrutiny. 
Um, we didn't grow well, because like I said, when I started college 2007, Facebook was introduced. Um, before that was MySpace. Now these kids have TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, you know, all these different things, and they're, you know, they post their life on social media, and they their life is dictated on what people think of them, how many views, how many likes, and we really un unpack that and really sit down with them and just build a genuine conversation. They just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. They just want to be their authentic self. And that's what I allowed, allowed them to be. Um, I dealt with last year, a young man wanted to commit suicide. That was rough for me. Um, but I was able to talk to him and I even took, you know, and I have a family of my own, but when I knew taking on this responsibility of starting Young Man of Distinction, I understand these are my sons. I would want nothing to happen to them. And I tell them all the time, I love them. Uh, I pray for them every single day. Uh, like I said, I let them hear me be vulnerable with them. And that's what, you know, they appreciate my vulnerability, me being transparent. I hold nothing back. I'm very, I'm an open book to them. So that's what I feel like we need to get back to with them is just be open. Don't look at them as they're dumb and they don't want, want to learn. Just really sit there and listen. And whatever dreams they want to do, inspire them. They want to be, um, they, they want to be a doctor. Get them connected with somebody that's already in that field and that we can walk him, plan his, you know, a plan of action. All right, this is what you need to look out for. This is that and third. That's what steps we need to take with them instead of trying to just dismiss them. Okay, and I knew you, I knew you had kids, and I know somebody do not hit me up on the podcast saying, "Hey, I can hear the TV." That's Daddy trying to do an interview while also trying to do, you know, uh, homeschool or take care of the kids because I, you know, that you, you guys gonna have to work with that because it's a different time right now. And I got two kids, and I had to tell them during this interview. You didn't see it, but hey, I, I can pipe it down a little bit. You know, because um, y'all supposed to be doing schoolwork anyway. But um, but to, you say to listen, they want to be heard. And we know with all the social media, they want to be seen for sure. And I think the way they learn, just like me, um, I found out this year that I um, have dyslexia. But I'm a genius. But I, su I suffered in school until I could get into college because I think different, I, I learn different. And it, you definitely have to teach people at their capacity. But do you think with all this social media, and if you don't know, it, it's fine, have maybe they missed a step or matured in a step without getting the full concept because kids do know a lot more because they can Google it right now. They can just mm -hmm. Google whatnot. But at the same time, to Google doesn't give you the experience of what the clap or uh you know trick or another std you can you can see what it is but you you didn't get the experience of having to sit in the clinic with everybody else with your legs itching like um they did at fam you i'm not gonna say they did that at grambling but you know they did it at every hbcu the clinic you're uh, right all right but I, but I know i know fam you uh the rattlers <laughs> ain't just a, a folklore <laughs> the rattlers is 
folks was rattling all right. So uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let that go because you know my you know me being a rattler, you know I'm I'm gonna let it go for the sake of the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean it. Ha I would say it happened at uh, every HBCU I've been to. I'm like, I see that that clinic is gonna pop early in the morning um, because you're dealing with young people, and not just at HBCUs, at colleges. I went to a private other school for a short time too. You have the same issues, but do you think that maybe they've missed a step with all this social media? That like humility, have they learned to be humble? Um, you know, I'm mean, just just want to ask you. Uh, I would say social media took away from what I've experienced is their their public speaking skills. Because a lot of my young men, I had to really work on them and how to speak, especially when we used to we go on different uh, distinguished events and we're like special guests and different people want to talk to them. It's like they get real, you know, they get real shy, real like they go into a shell. But outside of that, they, they are the most liveest group ever. But when they're around guests, they, they get real shy, real timid. They, so that's something I had to learn how to build is, you know, they hide behind the keyboard. They portray one life on social media. But outside of it, they, they are totally different. And that's what, you know, I, I tell them, like, they have to be mindful of what they put on social media. I think they also haven't learned how to use social media as a positive tool. They've used it as a tool of, oh, my friend posted about guns. I'm going to do the same thing. It's a copycat. I feel like it's a copycat league. And I've told them that, you know, just be mindful what you put on social media because you, the police are out there looking. They, they, they survey social media and They'll pin things on you, especially being an African-American. They'll go back to your social media and be like, oh, well, oh, you was posting up guns. So how are you innocent, but you posting up with guns? You doing this and that and the third. And it's like, you want to make sure you're, out, you're, you're a true, authentic self. It's cool to be, if you're, if you're a quiet person, it's cool to be quiet. And I think that's what we have to ask the adults promote positivity on these social media because the kids are watching they're they're mimicking what we're doing so we're posting negative and rapping you know about all the money all the cars the kids don't think the same as that way but yeah we might live a totally different life outside of social media yeah, social media is as fake as the, the TV. Um, and, you know, you got people with $5,000 purses with $5 in them. And we, we really got to get that brainwash um, out because, you know, it, it, it's all of a facade. Even some of the, what we see, you know, them beach homes. <laughs> and a lot of them are going into foreclosure because people who were considered rich or wealthy, you know, they owed a lot of money. Um, and, and so with that, we're in a blessed area where you were talking about, you know, if a kid wanted to be a doctor, you know, connecting with the doctor, you have organizations here like the TJ Medical Society, which is full of, you know, black doctors, whatnot. Um, 
And I, I just want to know, ha have you been able to reach out to organizations like that that can pair kids up, uh, you know, you being so new to this? Uh, I have, and I'm still, like, continuing to do that now. Uh, that's why I said this year was the first year of me using – uh, like I said, with the professionals we use in this mental health workshop, they were all African American and they were all women. They were all women, so they were able to see, you know, it from you know to see that somebody like them can be in this field. Because I have one that wanted to be a therapist, so for him to see, you know, somebody that's of color and is in that same particular field he wants to do. His mom, after the fact, uh, reached out to me to talk to her, so to get her son connected. And she was in Kentucky. So, you know, that's what that's what we're really focusing on now with this uh, program here we're in now is really connecting the young men with people that are in the same field they want to be in and also promote, you know, you don't have to be a rapper or an athlete, there's many other things you can do that we're successful in that as a culture. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. With, with, with that, what is, um, you know, your, your goal, like when you have this, you know, if you have it written down on your vision board, what do you want to do in the community? Um, and, you know, how big do you want this to be? Do you want it just to be for Palm Beach County? Do you want to take over South Florida? Or is this a nationwide or an international um, dream, uh, goal that you have? Uh, I, my, my dream is to have it international. Um, the way my work ethic is, it can happen. Um, like I said, for us to be in two schools last year, uh, as a new organization, a lot of people say that's, that's unheard of. And now we're getting ready to be in, well, say five to six, um, schools this year. So for us, you know, I look at it as, you know, it's a blessing. And I also look at it as, you know, you keep on working at it. You may, I may get many no's, but with my determination, I'm going to get through the door one way or another. If I had to go in the long route, the short route, however. And that's uh, one of the things I want my boys to see is my determination to, you know, be successful. It's a, it's a hard road, but when, you know, my sons eventually, you know, come of age, because I have three, you know, this organization, Young Men Distinction, will go to them. And that's okay. what I'm, so I'm passing on tangible generational wealth to them and I'm letting them, you know I'm letting them see that you know dad is putting in this work but once you know I finally retired which I, I don't I don't see that even though I'm, I'm 31 I still don't see that happening anytime soon but um, when they when I finally decide to sit down you know, like they can see, like this will, will go to them. I'm not looking outside. This is staying in the family, and then, you know, their children. Like I'm looking for young men to to go past me, you know, living on this earth and keep on going. 
And with, you know, going into the various schools, um, just in case somebody out of school is listening and they say, okay, he's go- he, he wants to go in more schools. Do the schools have to pay for that? Do the parents have to pay for that? Because, I mean, you have a job. So at some point you got to, you know, pay p- to make this thing grow. People have to get paid so they can show up and do what they do. So if somebody's listening and say, I want that in my school, what does that take? Is there a minimum amount of kids? Is there a minimum amount of money? And where does it come from? So, um, so with each schools, you know, we, we sit down and we, we have a conversation. And I understand with, you know, especially with COVID right now and things are virtual, you know, I, you know we, we can sit down, we can have, we can work out the details when it comes to as far as payment and things like that, things of that sort. Because uh, I'm very flexible. Like I said, I'm very understanding what's going on with the climate. I keep my finger on the pulse. So it's more of, you know, just having a sit-down conversation. Okay, okay. And I and I like to, you know, put that out there because I'm really big on folks not low-balling um, me as an entrepreneur or other entrepreneurs or organizations because, you know, what you're doing – there, there's, you know, I've been part of the 100 Black Men, the NAACP for, you know, I'm coming from the West Coast. There's an organization called Dads that I still zoom in and I'll zoom in today um, as long as things don't go haywire. And it's like there's ways that they need you as much as you need them. They actually need you need you more because without organizations like yours, the crime rate goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so they need to know, but one thing they need to know is, hey, don't lowball someone and say, hey, I give you, a, you know, we got $5 a kid where Juvenile Hall says, I got $50 a day for a kid. And, you know, it, it becomes that kind of the money, the kids are the money is how organizations behind the scene really look at it um, that are making, you know, millions because I work with organizations where the goal was, to find out if we're coming in Mercedes, not that I own a Mercedes, but the organizations coming in Mercedes, who are those people coming in with Bentleys and how did they get there? And then you find out, okay, hold on. Curriculums can actually be um, like a franchise. You can sell your curriculum and you don't even have to be there. And that this, you know, and then you have government groups who will cut funds to make sure you get cut out when you get up and going. And I've seen it in more than three states. And it's just like, oh, okay. So you have to learn how to beat the game, which I'm from, I'm from Oakland. So let's go, let's go. If it's a hustle, okay. I got to learn how to beat your game, even if, you know, you flip it. But yeah, just wondering so nobody, you know, calls on the low ball because we really need organizations like this for black kids, but really for all kids. If you think about it with COVID, not all parents can afford to stay at home and work from home. And kids, you know, I stayed at home. I was right, eight or nine years old, but it was a different time back then where that was kind of normal. Um, what do you what would you say to a mother, uh, single mother? struggling, you know, with her preteen son, what is the first step that she needs to do, especially if she's here in uh, Palm Beach County? I would say for her to definitely look into 
having a positive role model around that son. Uh, sometimes, you know, especially uh, my oldest son, you know, him and my wife, they they butt heads at times. He's 16, you know, you know, he's discovering his independence. She still she still sees him as her her firstborn, her baby. So I see that clash from the outside looking in because I look at him. A lot of times I see me and my mother and how we clash. So when I was in high school, same as that age. So sometimes the message is better heard from somebody that's, you know, unbiased and, you know, that's not related to, to the child and really just sit there and, you know, I know a child, especially guys, they tend to hold a lot of stuff in. But so it's all about building that trust. It's all about getting them around positive role models that want to build and be there with them on the journey. You know, if you tell them that we're in this process together, they will, you know, if they really see that you're there for them, they will eventually open up. So definitely, you know, get him around positive people that are supportive of his dreams and aspirations, and you are doing everything in your power to get him to that goal, no matter what it takes. He has to see it and he has to feel it that you're genuinely there for him. Okay, no, nah, that's, that's that's beautiful. I, you know, you're doing saint work um, because there are a hundred ways of you know getting a million or ten million dollars, and so you're doing saint work, and this is definitely work for the community. But I, I ask every guest because you you might have you know something else going on, so feel free to share. Um, what is your community give back? that you're doing, which you've talked all through this interview of, um, that you're doing or that you want to do in the future. Um, there may be a branch off group or some other interests that are for the community, but what, what if so, do you have any? So, uh, actually, uh, earlier this month, we've launched Gentleman of Distinction, which is a spinoff of Young Men of Distinction. That's for my 18 and up men. And I would have to say that what really inspired me to do it was another organization in Texas that I'm very cool with the founder. It's called Total Men of Integrity. And, you know, I sit on their meetings. They have weekly on Thursdays. And I was like, would, would that be cool to have something like that in Palm Beach County where we have men, especially 18, that are just graduating high school, they don't know if they want to go to college, go to work, go to armed forces. They're at a crossroad. Even when you graduate college, you hit a crossroad. When I graduated college, I was at a crossroad when it came to the major I chose, what I was going to do. Uh, and I realized I ended up doing now I'm doing my passion, which is totally different than what I majored in college and which I majored in music. So... I realized that, you know, either I love, I'm passionate about music, I'm more passionate about, you know, giving back to to the community, and I want to see a brighter future for, you know, the generation behind me, because uh, I'm going to be dependent on them when, <laughs> when I'm old and gray, when it comes to Social Security, Medicare, I'm dependent on them, 
So why not set the foundation now so when they get my age, they're doing the same thing we're doing. We're creating a new cycle. Okay, okay. And gentlemen of distinction, do are the men, uh, is that a nonprofit still, or do the men, you know, have fees? How does that work? Uh, so with gentlemen of distinction, which we're getting ready to have our interest meeting September 19th, it's, it's going to be where it's another nonprofit. It's an extension of Young Men of Distinction. And it's, you know, as like I said, it's really going to be built around building that strong brotherhood. What I meant by, you know, setting the tone. That organization really be truly setting the tone for our Young Men of Distinction. They'll be really the big brothers to Young Men of Distinction to really mold our young men that are, you know, from the second grade through the 12th grade. So they'll really be working hand in hand together. And I know eventually I do want to have a girl organization. Uh, when, I I don't know as of yet, but uh, I know I hear a lot of my parents that, uh, why don't you cater to the, the young ladies? I said, I, I, I'm going to get to them, but right now I need to fix our men. So, you know, for our young ladies, you know, they, you know, they have a, a young man that is of well standing, not the young man that you know the society has painted him as. Yeah, yeah, and there's, um, you know, you, you can always expand, but there's a, a, a ton of women who can also get to the young ladies as well, because you know, with this whole Me Too movement and everything that's going on, um, I think we need to get get the men right because you just don't know what will happen and what will be said and how you could, you know, you know, piss somebody off. Um, I keep getting a buzz in my ear. And since you are a FAMU, um, you know, graduate, I got to ask you this, and hopefully you won't take offense, but did anybody ever say we are in FAMU? You know, they ever say, hey, is that t Payne's younger brother up there, you know? Uh, let's see. I've, uh, the nicknames I got in the while I was at Fairview, T Pain was was one, uh, but I didn't really pay no mind because uh, it was it was a white girl. She was drunk, so I didn't, I didn't pay no mind at the time. Uh, my coworkers we used to mess with each other all the time. They used to call me E Forty, Birdie Mac, E Forty, Birdie Mac. Uh, yeah, those, so I have heard, I have heard T-Pain. Okay, so if you ever, you know, come as the mass singer or something, and, you know, you put the dreadlock, um, I'll let you borrow a lock or two. Um, this is all, <laughs> all, all me, but, uh, <laughs> but no, that, you know, because he's from Tallahassee, so, you know, how, how, how that goes, um, but, uh, but no, I just, I just had to ask. In music, what was your, you know, specialty? Were you in the band? Were you, like, what, what did you do? I was in uh, the choir. Uh, I was, my major was voice performance. But I originally wanted to go there for music industry because I wanted my dream before the dream I'm doing now. Uh, my ultimate dream was to always own my own record company independently and, I took from the blueprint of Master P, which how he was independent. But I wanted to be where not only we were the record label, we was also distribution. So 
big labels would have to come to us to distribute music. But this is way before I knew stream I knew streaming was gonna come into play. So that was always my, you know, my mindset as a, a child. I knew in the sixth grade I wanted to major in music. And like I said, I was one of those I say rare breed of children that knew what they wanted to do. Okay, so you so you could really, you know, sing um for, for real, for real. Have you thought of taking young men of distinction and saying we are gonna then open up a recording studio because you know everybody wants to be an artist especially now even if they don't have any lyrics written down it's all in their head right but Uh to say my nonprofit is going to open up the studio and i say that because in richmond california chevron actually sponsored i mean we grew up just knowing this that chevron paid for basically the PAL, the police program's studio. So you mm-hmm. could come in the studio, but because, you know, it was the police, you were going to come correct, and they had their own rules and regulation. Um, has that thought or, you know, any plan? Because they could give you the money for that. I mean, you know. I, I thought about it, uh, especially uh, one, of my, my, one of my mentors mentioned why don't I leverage that I am uh, a music uh, I did graduate my bachelor's in music, and I told her that I wanted to steer them away from, I want their minds to always think that they have to be in entertainment. But she flipped it on me, but that's what you're, that was, you was once passionate about, say, which is true. And I ended up growing up and I said, I don't want to be an artist. I want to be more behind the scenes. So one day I took her advice with um I did a session and I let the guys we just did like a just a power and I had a few guys that love music and I played the original I played the sample of a song and I played the original and I said this is called sampling. They was like they sat there all oh, was like that's where that song comes from? Yeah. Then I went into more about the behind the scenes of music because I still, even though I, I'm a young man of distinction, I'm still a student when it comes to music. I still learn like behind the scenes, you know, if one day I do decide to do it, then it'll just be something added on to my legacy. But uh, I still stay connected to music some type of way. So that is something that I would consider is open up a recording studio. And, but really teaching them the behind the scenes of business first versus them really just being an artist. They want they can be an artist, but make sure when they they sign or they do things independently, they know they you know they know exactly the ins and outs. Yeah, because the real money is behind the scenes anyway. Because the artist is gonna you know it's gonna be it's cop and blow. So uh, it, the real money is behind the, the scenes. And my wife had told me something and she, she, I started in music as a journalist. And then it just, you know, from journalism, learning how the magazines got distributed and learning how the labels and doing press junkets. And she said, you know, she's not from this country, she's from Africa. But she said, the one thing we have is entertainment worldwide and we can't shy away from it. And she's, you know, she's um, in healthcare, so she's nowhere connected to music. 
but she's like, we run this, so we need to take our our natural talents and gifts and make sure we control them. Which we've all we're all about that, right? That's what mm-hmm. everybody's been preaching since Too Short, and, and, and all of them told us, and the loonies would tell us on the street, like we out the trunk with it. JT the bigger figure, shout out. But the we we can't shy away like, oh, now all our kids have to be scientists, which I'm all for that too, if that's what you want to do. But maybe through entertainment, I can show you how business works. Honestly, and I'm this is me saying this, not Jacoby. I can show you through some street activities how business works. You know, you can pick one and I can show you how organization and having a team and having people who need to be um, on the corner at this time and how they need to go do their health checkups at that time. You know, I can show you how all of that is how an entrepreneur with employees. Oh, I got to have health insurance for this person and that. And I got, oh, this person's going to take a time off. So we can use whatever skills and flip it. And that's what school this is me saying this, not young men of distinction. This is where school lacks because your teachers, I've, I've taught for a very short time as a substitute in gang-ridden school, that they can't give the real game. They got to give it out that book. And that same book had me graduate with a 1.9 and only by the grace of God, a good mother and a, a fast 40 could I even go to school to improve that and get on the president's list. So it's the way that they're being taught, like you had alluded, you know, listen to them because they're not stupid. They're, they're really smart. It's just how you put that energy. And um, I've worked with kids for almost a decade, um, especially going through school and even in grad school and beyond. And it's like, man, kids are sharp, but you got to listen to them. At the same time, they got to know, you know, when to humble themselves. So I definitely I can see that because you got knowledge that other people in this area don't in music. And it only takes one song for somebody's life and they can put on their people and you have money to, you know, do what you need to do on a global international level. But um, I don't want to give them a game overload, brother. So let them know how you like to be contacted if they um, want, you know, more information. And I'll make sure your links are in the description box. Uh, sure. They can contact us uh, first at our website at youngmenofdistinction.org. They can reach out to uh, us on Facebook, um, Young Men of Distinction. Um, on Instagram, we are at Young Men of Distinction 19. Um, our email is gentlemenofd at gmail.com. Um, you either can reach out to my personal Facebook, which is Jacoby D. Waters. You know, I do, I do answer. Uh, I'm very responsive. So soon as, you know, my phone or notification lights up, I'm, I respond right away. So that's how you can reach out to us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys, I'm going to share these, um, these links with Jacoby. I want you to like, share, subscribe. Um, and, you know, thank you for listening and hopefully you got the game. Be blessed. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.